Have you ever been betrayed? And I mean really betrayed in the fullness of the word. Somebody close to you, someone that you thought you knew, more than that, somebody that you loved. You, you truly loved them, and yet they turned and deliberately, purposefully, intentionally betrayed you. I was reading this week, a guy said that if you live long enough, you will experience this. He was saying if you go through the experiences of life and if you live long enough, this will be your reality. Now, I hope that is not the case. I hope that's not true. But if you've ever been truly betrayed, you know that it hurts. And, and I sit there, man, I, you know that that, that hurts. It, it really messes up your mind. It, it is a thing that you, you try and get over and you try and get over and you think, you know what, I finally got it reconciled. I finally got it put away somewhere. And then somewhere in the middle of the night, it comes back. Uh, it actually, I believe, changes you. It, it is a hurtful thing to have been betrayed. But here's an upside. You say, well, what, what in the world could be an upside? Well, here's an upside. We learn a lot in those situations. We do. We, we learn a lot in those situations. We learn a lot about the world that we live in. And honestly, that's the way of this world. That's the, the truth of this world. We learn a lot about this world. We learn a lot about that person. And maybe we thought we knew them and that we thought they knew us, but we learn a lot about that person. We also, in that, that hard process, we learn a lot about ourselves. And, and more than that, we learn a lot about our faith. Well, today as we walk through the final two and a half chapters uh, in the Gospel of Luke, as we continue that process, we come to the betrayal of Jesus. And there is a bunch to see. There is a lot to see in this account. But this morning, I want us to learn about discipleship from this betrayal episode. Our message today is entitled, Disciples for the Dark World. Disciples for the Dark Night. Disciples for the Dark Night. Our verses are found in Luke chapter 22 today, verses 47 through 53. Luke chapter 22, verses 47 through 53. Disciples for the Dark Night. I'm going to ask if you would, if you'd stand with me in the honor and the reverence of the reading of God's Word. Beginning in verse 47, God's Word says this. While he was still speaking, behold, a crowd came, and the one called Judas, one of the twelve, was preceding them, and he approached Jesus to kiss him. But Jesus said to him, Judas, are you betraying the Son of Man with a kiss? When those who were around him saw what was going to happen, they said, Lord, shall we strike with the sword? And one of them cut the slave of the high priest and cut off his right ear. But Jesus answered and said, Stop, no more of this. And he touched his ear and healed him. Then Jesus said to the chief priests and the officers of the temple and elders who had come against him, Have you come out with swords and clubs as you would against a robber? While I was with you daily in the temple, you did not lay hands on me, but this hour and the power of darkness are yours. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we come today, and I'm thankful 
for, for our salvation. We come and we, we worship as people saved in the grace of God and the goodness of our Savior, the work of our Savior, Jesus Christ. And so we come this morning and our, and our hearts of worship are offered to you. Lord, I pray now as we begin to look at these verses, I pray that it wouldn't be a lecture, it wouldn't be a, a giving of information alone, but that it would be the words of God that you would speak to us today, that, that you would cleanse us in, in the hearing of your word, that you would train us in the hearing of your word, that, that maybe you would correct us today in your grace and kindness, that we, would, that we would actually hear from you. Lord, I pray for some in this room that do not know you. I pray that today in the, in the preaching of the gospel, that they might put their faith in, in, in my Savior, in you, Jesus, Lord, I pray that you would remove our barriers to hearing today, that any distractions would be removed, and that we would truly hear from you again for your glory. We give all this to you for your glory. We love you, Lord. We praise you. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Again, today we're moving along in the actual historical account of Jesus' death, burial, in resurrection. And I think we need to make that clear every time we can. This is the actual historical account, these, these two and a half chapters of the death and the burial and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Understand this morning, this is not folklore. Understand this morning, this is not hearsay. Understand, these are not some good thoughts that somebody thought up, some wisdom that somebody has to pass on to us. No, this, these are the actual historical goings-on of the death and the burial and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Today, these are the last days, in fact, even the last hours before Jesus' crucifixion. Now, today, as we look at this account... We could look at Jesus, and, and we could look at his faithfulness, and I hope as you, as you read this, you see how faithful he is. We can see how he stands up there in the turmoil of the garden, how he stands up and he commits to what is ahead of him. He commits to the cross of Calvary. We could look at Jesus today in these verses, or we could look at his enemies, and we could look and we could see how committed they are to seeing him dead, how unflinching they are to seeing his end through his death. And really, it's a, it's a pretty amazing account. Nothing less than his death would, would satisfy them. Nothing less than his death would be enough. And I sit there and think about when he cuts off the man's ear and he sees it put back on, wouldn't you say, hey, let's stop for a minute. Hey, let's, let's think for a moment. But they are committed to seeing Jesus die. And so we can look at his enemies today. Or we can look at Judas. Really maybe the, the key player in these verses, we could look at and we could break down today his treachery. We could look at his betrayal and all that included in, in that event. And so we could look at Judas today. And for sure, listen, we would, we would do well to look at any of those things. But instead today, we're going we're gonna to take elements of all of those and we're going to look at today discipleship. 
And you say, what in the world? How does, how does that come from that? We're going to take elements of all of those, and we're going to look at true discipleship today. Because the truth is this. We are called to be disciples of Jesus Christ. Go ye therefore and make disciples. We are called to be disciples. I am called to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. You are called to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. Not just a convert, not just a believer. It does start there. But we are called, you are called, we are called to be disciples of Jesus Christ. And so here's the question this morning. Are you? Are you a disciple of Jesus Christ? Could, could that be said of you? Would your, would your family member, maybe your kids or your spouse, those that see you in other circumstances, could they say, yes, they're a disciple of Jesus Christ? Are you a disciple of Jesus Christ? Well, through that lens this morning, let's look at our verses, beginning in verse 47. While he was still speaking, behold, a crowd came, and the one called Judas, one of the twelve, was preceding them, and he approached Jesus to kiss him. Now, remember the turmoil that Jesus is in there in the garden. Remember the heaviness from last week of these hours. In verse 46, we, we, we see that he goes to his disciples, and he says, Why are you sleeping? Get up and pray that you may not enter into temptation. Well, in the midst of that, the verse says this, while he is yet speaking, while he is still speaking, the crowd came. And so understand, this is a really a, a continuation of what is going on. He is there, he is in turmoil. He stands and he approaches the disciples. And as he is speaking to them, the crowd came. It says, the one called Judas. Now, I want you to notice this. It tells us his name. The one called Judas. We know who it is, the one called Judas. It says, one of the 12. It is very specific in that. Not just anyone. That was a, a popular name. But the one called Judas, one of the 12. It is very specific. He was, the Bible tells us, leading the crowd. He was preceding the crowd. Now what that means is he came before the crowd. And so the, the crowd comes in, but Judas is before. He is leading the crowd. And the Bible says, and he approached Jesus to kiss him. Now, in this day, in this culture, a kiss was a sign of two things. It was a sign of deep affection and it was also a sign of deep respect. And so it wasn't something that you flippantly did, but it was reserved for a person that you had affection for, but also a person that you had respect for. Verse 48. But Jesus said to him, Judas, are you betraying the Son of Man with a kiss? See the picture here. Jesus said to him, write to him, Judas, Judas, are you betraying? Now, the word here for, for betraying in the original language translates to deliver over from close beside. 
This is not a stranger. That's not an act of betrayal. An act of betrayal is to turn them over, to deliver them over from close beside. That, that is the literal translation. Judas, are you betraying the Son of Man? Now, this is the title, one of the titles for the Messiah. And so Jesus doesn't just say, Judas, are you betraying me? Judas, are you betraying your friend? He says, no, Judas, are you betraying the Messiah with a kiss? Can you imagine the heaviness of that? Judas, Judas, he looks him in the eye. Are you betraying the Messiah, the promised anointed deliverer? Are you betraying him with a kiss? Now be very sure here. This is a wicked, wicked thing. Now it really, it really shows us a lot about Judas. You see, he could have led the crowd there. He made the deal that he made. He, he could have led the crowd there and he could have stopped at some distance and said, there he is. That's him, you're right there. There he is. Or he could have even, he could have even just shouted out, right there, that's him. But no, he gets close enough to kiss him. Now, what is the reason for that? The reason for that is this. He's still trying to hide. He's still trying to play both sides. He's still trying to have it this way and make a deal with them, but he's still trying to stay in the inner circle and somehow maybe fool Jesus. And if he comes and he shouts, there he is, it would give him away. And so he comes as a friend and offers him a kiss, gives him a kiss. Now, the first thing to see is this. Here's the first thing for us today. First thing to see is this. You cannot be a disciple if you are not close to Jesus. That's our first point today. Listen very carefully. You cannot be a disciple if you are not close to Jesus. So the question is, do you have the position of a disciple? Talking about us, talking about you, talking about me, do you have the position of a disciple? Get this, see this. The Bible says of Judas, he was one of the 12. Now what that means is he was part of the group. He was a piece of the whole. Judas was close to Jesus. That's how he even knew where to find him this night. He had just finished having supper with him. He was close to Jesus. Now understand all that that means. He had traveled with Jesus. Many, many occasions he had watched the Lord Jesus Many occasions he had listened to the talk and to the teachings of Jesus. He had seen his heart as he, as he dealt with people. He had seen the many miracles. He had, he had been witness to the miracles. He had heard the claims that he made that he was the Messiah. He was picked and trained by Jesus. He was close to Jesus. Friend, today, you cannot be a disciple of Jesus from a distance. You can't do it. And that's the reality. You cannot be a disciple of Jesus from a distance. Do you know his words? Judas did. Do you know his heart? Judas did. Are you today on his mission? 
Do you know why he came to seek and to save that which is lost? Do you exist for the mission of Jesus Christ? Are you on his mission? Are you existing that he will be glorified as you carry out his mission? Do you walk with him? That's the Bible. That's what it says. Do you abide in him? Right now, how close are you to Jesus? Because you cannot be a disciple from a distance. Now, let me just go ahead and say this. If church attendance is the closest you get to Jesus, if coming to the church an hour or two a week is the closest that you ever get to Jesus, if that's your idea of being a disciple, I'm afraid that's not close enough. How close are you to Jesus? And sometimes I start to evaluate. I'll say, well, that's pretty good for them. Or, man, those folks up there, they need to hear that. I'm talking about me. I'm talking about you. Right now, how close are you to Jesus? Do you have the position of a disciple? You cannot do it from a distance. Second thing, do you have the heart of a disciple? Do you have the heart of a disciple? Do you have the position of a disciple? Do you have the heart of a disciple? Now think with me right here. What was Judas's problem? You ever, you ever think about that? You ever wonder about that? What, what in the world was wrong with Judas? And I, I sit there and I read this account. I read through this gospel. And I, I want to I shake Judas and say, Judas, what was wrong with you? Judas, what in the world is wrong with you? What is wrong with Judas? You see, his position alone evidently wasn't enough. He had to be close, but being close, evidently, proximity is not enough. Here's what's wrong with Judas. And there's whole volumes talking about what maybe he was trying to do. Here's, here's what's wrong with Judas. And we can sum it up like this. What's wrong with Judas is his heart. Well, he was trying to do this and he was trying to do that and he was trying to force the issue. No, listen, what was wrong with Judas was his heart. His heart was never for Jesus. Remember the account when the woman takes the, the expensive vial of perfume and she breaks it to anoint his feet and the, the Bible, the gospel accounts tells us that he, he became angry. Why would you spend so much money on that when you could have put it in the treasury? And the Bible says and, and tells us, you know what, he was the treasurer and really he was a thief. He wanted that money. His heart wasn't with Jesus. He leaves the supper and he goes and he makes this deal and, and we can talk about all the reasons why, but you know why he goes into, goes into the night and he takes the money, he actually takes it because his heart wasn't with Jesus. And now more than that, he comes and he's so fake and he's so double-minded and he's such a hypocrite that the money wasn't enough, that his plan that he hatched and brought into fruition wasn't enough, that he actually comes and kisses Jesus, the ultimate act of betrayal. His heart wasn't with Jesus. Let me be honest with you today. 2019. Today there may be more disciples of Judas than there are true disciples of Jesus Christ. I believe that. Today there may be more disciples of Judas then there are true disciples of Jesus Christ. And you say, well, well, what in the world does that mean? What in the world does that look like? Listen, 
There may be more people today that like the stuff of Jesus and like the notoriety of Jesus and like the novelty of Jesus and like the position that somehow comes with following Jesus, but just like Judas, their hearts aren't given over to Jesus. And so they come and they're close and they have the right words and they're in the right circles and they come and they like all of the stuff that goes along with it. They like all the things that are dumped on it, but their hearts aren't given to Jesus. They have all the right words. They come and they use the system. They come and they sit here in our midst and they're counted as one of the whole, one of the twelve, one of the church. But they do not have the heart of a disciple. Friends, let me, let me say this. There are always those who hurt the cause of the gospel. That, that's the truth, and I've come to expect that. The world hates the gospel. The world cannot stand the gospel, and there are always those who harm the cause of the gospel. But listen to me very carefully. But to do it pretending to be a partaker of the gospel, to do it pretending to be an ambassador of the gospel is the most hideous thing I know. Listen, if you hate the gospel, call it what it is. If you think it's, if it's, a, if it's a mess, if it's a lie, it's a superstition, call it what it is. But the most hideous thing is to come and to put on the cloak of the gospel, to come and to, to, to celebrate the gospel and to come and to undercut the gospel. Their hearts weren't with, worth Jesus. Let me tell you something I've found. If the question is, do you have the heart of a disciple, here's what I've found. Being a disciple is the process of continually giving your heart to Jesus. And that's, that's what I found. Well, I thought it was a one-time event. Well, I thought we did that in fourth grade and we got it settled and we moved on. Listen, being a disciple of Jesus Christ is continually the process of continually giving your heart to Jesus. Let me, let me just tell you, and some of you are going to agree, I'm, I am so dumb. I am so dumb. My heart starts to like the things of this world. And I can go and I can know how it ends and I can know the truth, but there's some, some dumb part of me that if I get out very long and I start moving around, my heart starts to like the things of this world. My heart actually starts to long for the things of this world. And that's, I don't, I don't know why that is. My heart starts to respond like this crazy world. And I have to go back and go back and go back and go back and continually give my heart to Jesus. That's the process of being a disciple. Continually giving your heart to Jesus Christ. My, my prayers become the prayer of David in Psalm 51. God, I'm so sick of my heart. I know the tendencies of my heart. God, create in me a clean heart, O Lord. It is the process of continually giving your heart to Jesus. Do you have the heart of a disciple? And then the last question, and it's a tough question. Do you have the resolve of a disciple? Do you have the resolve of a disciple? Look at verse 49. When those who were around him saw what was going to happen, they said, Lord, shall we strike with the sword? It, it literally translates, 
when they perceive what is about to happen, it's more than just seeing it. They see what's happening, but when they understand, when they perceive what's getting ready to happen, the crowd pushes in, and they're here, and Jesus is talking, and hey, here comes a bunch of lanterns, and, and here comes the crowd, and the crowd pushes in, and they start to notice this is not a friendly crowd. They start to notice the, the swords and the spears in their hands. They start to realize, no, this is a mob and they're here for Jesus. And when they start to perceive what is about to happen, they say, Lord, shall we strike with the sword? Lord, do you want us to fight them? Lord, let's fight them. That's really the cry of the verse. Verse 50. And one of them struck the slave of the high priest and cut off his right ear. Luke's a physician. He's very detailed. Cut off his right ear. John chapter 18, and it's important to the context, we read that it was Peter. Peter doesn't wait. Lord, do you want us to fight him? He's got a sword out. Peter doesn't wait. He takes his sword and he swings at the head of the, of the, the high priest's slave. His name is Malchus. The Bible tells us in John. He swings at his head. It doesn't wait. He, he pulls his sword and, and they ask the question, but he's already running as, he, as the question's in the air and he swings at his head and the guy ducks and he cuts off his right ear. Verse 51. But Jesus answered and said, Stop, no more of this. And he touched his ear and healed him. Now see this from the context here today. They come, and there is an immediate threat. They come, and there is a physical threat. Now, remember, Peter, not that long ago, said, you know what? I will die with you, Lord. I will die with you. He's resolved. There's a threat. And so Peter takes the sword, and he's ready to fight. And he jumps, and he moves, and he goes, and he swings the sword, and he starts the fight. That's Peter. Do you know, before we get out of the 22nd chapter, when Peter sees Jesus submit and they take him off, when he sees now that the real pressure is on, when they're in the courtyard and, and accusations are flying and they're saying, hey, weren't you with him? Hey, wasn't it you as well? When he stands there now, it's not Jesus in danger, but he himself is in danger. He himself could be snatched up if he's tied to the cause. Before we get out of the 22nd chapter, he denies even knowing Jesus. Aren't you with him don't know him? Don't you have his accent? You come from his part? Don't know him. He denies even knowing Jesus. See this today. It's easy to fight for Jesus, but the real test is this. Are you willing to suffer for Jesus? You see, that's the mark of a disciple. That's the true test. It's easy to say, let's fight, but are you willing to suffer for Jesus? It's easy to get all keyed up. It's easy to get all stirred up and say, here we go, here we go. But it's hard to take the abuse it's hard to take the abandonment. It's hard to take the betrayal to suffer for the cause of Jesus. The Bible says to actually suffer as Jesus. Listen, do you have the resolve of a disciple? You see, I believe this is where many are gonna fall away from the cause. 
You see, this is where I believe many are going to fall back in the cause of Jesus Christ. And listen, they may be close to Jesus. They may be walking with Jesus. They may have a heart that's even given to Jesus. They've given their heart to Jesus, but they are not willing to suffer for the cause of Jesus Christ. And as long as things are going good, as long as things are going great, and when the future seems to be bright ahead, they're all ahead, uh, they're all in. Peter thought a great kingdom was coming, and when things are good and the future's right there and it looks so good, they're bold and they're brash and they're visible. But when they're persecuted for the sake of righteousness, Matthew 5. When people insult you and persecute you and falsely say all kinds of evil against you, Matthew chapter 5. When if they persecute you because they persecuted Jesus, John chapter 15. When they hate you, not for anything of you, but because they hated Jesus first, John chapter 15. When the cost is high, they're not willing to suffer for Jesus. Remember the account in Acts chapter 9? Acts chapter 9, Paul is called, and he's going to be, I believe, the greatest Christian I believe to ever live. I truly believe that. He's going to be the, the great apostle, Paul. He's going to preach. He's going to be fearless. He's going to have a tremendous impact. This is the calling of Paul. Listen to verses 15 and 16. But the Lord said to him, Go, for he is a chosen instrument of mine. What could be better than being a chosen instrument of the living God? He is a chosen instrument of mine to bear my name before the Gentiles and kings and the sons of Israel. He's going to preach the good news, the gospel, to all of those folks. What could be better than that? Verse 16. For I will show him how much he must suffer for my name's sake. Do you have the resolve of a disciple? Verse 52. Then Jesus said to the chief priests and the officers of the temple and elders who had come against him, have you come out with swords and clubs? As you would against a robber, verse 53. While I was with you daily in the temple, you did not lay hands on me, but this hour and the power of darkness are yours. Verse 53 is a very telling verse. Verse 53, Jesus actually calls out these folks. Now, it's, it's interesting, verse 52, they could have sent the temple guards out to get him. But they were so dead set on Jesus having to die that they themselves went. Now, that's a strange thing, but they go as well. Well, since they come, since they're, they're able to come, Jesus calls them out here in verse 53. He says, you know, you had the chance to grab me when the crowds were big, but like cowards, you come in the cover of darkness. And that's what he says, every day, every day you knew where I was at. Every day teaching in the temple, you didn't grab me then. But now you've come as a coward in the, in the cover of darkness. He says this. This hour and the power of this darkness are yours. But this hour and the power of darkness are yours. 
Right here, he submits to the arrest. This hour, you've come. You could have come at any time, but you've come now. But this hour and the darkness are yours. He submits to his arrest. Really, he submits to the cross of Calvary. That's where he's headed. And so we read here at the end of the verse, you could have come at any time, but you've come like cowards. But the darkness is yours. This hour is yours. And he submits to the cross of Calvary. Why preach a sermon on discipleship out of these verses? Really, this is the strangest thing I've ever seen or maybe even heard. Now, this is right and it's biblical, but why preach a sermon on discipleship out of these verses? I have two points that I'm going to finish with, and listen, they're for this day. They're for this Sunday morning. I have two, two points to finish with coming out of the context of these verses, coming out of the teaching that we've just heard on disciples. The first is this. Listen very carefully. Church, it's time for the disciples of Jesus Christ to stand up. Listen to me very carefully. Jesus is coming again very soon. I believe it. Listen, Jesus is coming again very soon. If we knew how soon it was, it'd probably change how we would live this afternoon. Jesus is coming again very soon. And in these days, in our world of these days, there is a final push of evilness. There is a final push of darkness. And listen to me very carefully. We see it in our nation today. We see it in our world this week. It is unbelievable. It is absolutely unbelievable that in a nation that pledges to be one nation under God and a nation that prints on its money in God we trust that there are laws that allow and people stand up and cheer for the heartless murder of innocent babies. And listen, our only hope today is a turning to Jesus Christ that's gonna come through the proclamation of Jesus Christ and it's high time for disciples to stand up in this day. And listen, I'm not talking about going and arguing against abortion. I'm all, I'm all for that. Listen, I'm talking about presenting the gospel of Jesus Christ by which people turn and their hearts are turned and lives are saved, presenting the good news of Jesus Christ. It is time for disciples of Jesus Christ to understand it is very soon when Jesus comes again, those who are lost in their sin will perish and it's time for disciples to present the gospel of Jesus Christ. And let me tell you what that's going to take. You're going to have to be close to Jesus. Oh, you're going to have to know his words. You're going to have to know his pace. You're going to have to have a heart given to Jesus. You can't go between two places now. You can't go between the world and him. You're going to have to have a heart given to Jesus. And listen, you're going to have to be willing to suffer for the cause of Jesus Christ. It's time for disciples to stand up in this day. Man, we can get mad and we can get fierce. It's easy to fight. But are you willing to suffer for the presentation of the gospel of Jesus Christ? We need disciples. We need disciples. The second thing is this. And you, you grab this as well. The second thing is this. At the end of the verses, 
Jesus says, listen very carefully. This hour and the power of darkness are yours. Here's the second point. This hour and the power of darkness are yours. Understand this. Be clear of this. This was a dark, dark hour. Oh, well, I know what's coming. Listen, no, this was a dark hour. This is the hour that leads to the cross. It's a dark hour. This is an hour that leads to the brutal death of Jesus on the cross of Calvary. This is a dark, dark hour. It is a dark hour. The Jewish leaders, they're rejoicing in this hour. They think they've won in this dark hour. We've captured them. There wasn't a riot. We're taking them away. They're rejoicing in this dark hour. Satan revels in this dark hour. It is a dark hour, and Satan revels in it. And Jesus concedes this hour is yours. You've got this hour. This hour is yours, cloaked in darkness. Oh, but friend, no matter how dark the hour, no matter how dark the hour then, and no matter how dark the hour now, and today in 2019, as our nation exists in darkness, As darkness pushes in, it seems from every angle. As precious babies are sacrificed in a pagan sacrifice to Satan. No matter how dark, listen, as we live in these dark days, as it's on the news, as it's all around us, as it tries to come into our homes, no matter how dark, no matter how dark, no matter how dark, no matter how dark, friends, the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ is the light shines in the darkness and the darkness doesn't overcome it. Listen, it was a dark hour, but it wasn't the final hour. And I want to tell you, as dark as it seems right now, listen, that's just a, a bigger platform for the light. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness doesn't overcome it. I, I watched the news this week. Those people cheered. And I think, wow, what's wrong with those people? You know what? Nothing's changed. Nothing's changed. It's just now evident the wickedness of their hearts. And I, I sit there and watch that, and for about two hours, I sit there and go, you know what, Jesus ought to just come back. He ought to just come back. He ought to just come back. Even so, Lord Jesus, come quickly. But then I think this. You know what? Before you come back, Lord, let some disciples pick up the light and lead some people to Jesus Christ. It is time for disciples to stand. Are you close to Jesus today? Is your heart given to Jesus today or has it gone somewhere else? Are you willing to suffer for Jesus today? We need disciples. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we come. And I tell you, I am sorry. We are sorry. We're sorry for our wickedness. We're sorry for our vileness. We're we're sorry that we turn against you, that we rebel against you. I'm sorry for my sin, as wicked as any other sin. Lord, I'm sorry that we start to try to explain it away. Lord, I'm sorry that we start to try to get comfortable in it. Lord, I'm sorry that it's an affront against you. I can't imagine how broken your heart must be seeing the ravage of this sin. 
I'm thankful that you tell us there will be an hour when you will come and there will be a a voice of an archangel and a trumpet's blast and you will come. But Lord, I pray that in the meantime that you would find disciples. I pray for us in this service that we would draw close to Jesus Christ. We would study your word. We would listen to your voice. I pray that we would give our hearts, Lord, help us in that, give our hearts solely to you. I pray that we'd be prepared to suffer whatever the cost that a dying world would hear the good news. Help us in that. Lord, help us in that. Lord, I pray for some in this room that may not know you. And I pray that the hour, I know the hour is growing short. I pray that in this hour they might put their faith in Christ. Lord, I pray for us in this room that are saved. I pray that we would be so convicted, we'd be so upset, we'd be so urgent that we would change the pattern of our flow, the pattern of our life starting in this hour. And Lord, I pray that what you find would be a remnant of people that would stand and lead people to you through the gospel of Jesus Christ. Help us in that. And Lord, I'm thankful that you stood up. And you committed to what was ahead because it was my redemption, my salvation. And you suffered in my place, securing my forgiveness. And I praise you, Jesus Christ. I praise you. I love you. I submit all this to you. And I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.